Welcome to the Out of the Box Podcast. It is Women's College World Series Week. We are here in OKC. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury. Tom, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm amazing. It has already been a heck of a trip from start to finish. Yeah, yeah it's it's the pinnacle of what you're what you're doing when you're covering and when you're playing college softball. The fact that you get the opportunity to come back to OKC uh, for you know one of the the greatest events in all of sports. This is going to be a different episode of the Out of the Box podcast. This was an idea that we had on the plane, pretty much. Like we talked about it on the plane. And as we record, the games are tomorrow. We've already recorded a lot of the show, but we felt like this was a great opportunity to show kind of what the week is like when you're at the Women's College World Series, in particular, right before the games begin. Yeah, because there's a, a lot that goes into it. It's a really quick turnaround. And then there's a lot that goes into it outside of just getting ready to play a game. There's uh, media days, there's practices, there's uh, meetings with different uh, manufacturers and, and other companies that are involved. And it's, uh, it, it is a really good uh, just experience for all the players, for sure. Not just the players, but right. also for the staff. And we have a good time. We do. That's the beauty of what's about to happen. And you're going to hear me say that's the beauty about six times in these various segments. When it comes to the beauty, that's yes, it. That's correct. So here's the deal. This is an unedited, un I don't want to say unfiltered because everybody knew that they were being recorded, but right, yeah. basically just where are we? What are we doing? Who are we with? And what are our thoughts on everything going on? Restaurants, games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What are we eating? What are we getting hit by softballs with it's it's a it's a whole how many thing. times can lance mcmahon pop up while we're recording <laughs> hello as we tell him not to call the home run pitch we do all all the things we're helping out <laughs> that's right so we've got a little bit of everything we've got meals we've got practices we will preview of course the actual women's college world series but i think that this episode will be a great way for you the listener to get to know not just some of the staff but a lot of the people kind of behind the scenes a lot of the bama ewers as we say the bama u brigade the bama u groupies those of us who are here not just only to work but also to enjoy the fun, the friendship, and the fellowship of going with the University of Alabama to the Women's College World Series. Yes, the support staff, which grows by leaps and bounds, and we're able to make this trip, and which we're really excited for a lot of these people that are part of Bama U and they're the support staff throughout the entire year. Um, but they finally get to come on the road with us, so yeah. we're really excited. So there's a lot that you're going to hear in this episode, and it's all recorded on the phone, chronological order, everything that we have done up to this point as we record now and probably dinner tonight here on this Wednesday ahead of first pitch between Alabama and Tennessee on Thursday. Yeah. And yeah, because after, after today, you really get down to business because this is, this is what you've been fighting for, uh, not just since February, since, you know, probably the end of last year, uh, we talked, you know, it was very interesting to hear somebody like Jenna Johnson mentioned in the post game of the super regionals that, the fact that Alabama lost in regionals last year was still a motivating factor. Yeah. That, that this was something that as soon as what happened last year happened, this was the goal to get back here. Uh, not that it's always the goal, but even more so because of what happened last year, that it was definitely the motivation. So you will hear from some surprise guests, some surprise staff members. You'll hear some stories. It's not all super serious. A lot of it will be funny as well. And we certainly hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll talk to a lot of our friends that we'll name drop later on. Of course we will. Right. So without further ado, let's get it started. On the road in OKC, literally wandering around OKC. Welcome into the Women's College World Series edition of the Out of the Box podcast. Hey, 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 hey. Our live studio audience at our dinner table, Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. Tom, how are you? Uh, very full. How are you? I'm great. This is a, a unique podcast. We are just recording as we go about our lives in Oklahoma City. Yes, David Nieder? And we're going to update what is happening at practice, at our various meals. And we're starting at Cattleman's because why not start at the best possible place to eat a steak? And we are joined by 12 members of Bama U. Yes. What did everybody eat? My end of a table. Steak. More steak. <laughs> Chicken fried steak. Ribeye. Ribeye. Filet. Strip steak. Filet. Jackson. Filet. Steak and a double deuce. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> thank you, Doc. Tom, yours uh, was not completed, but it will be by the end of the week. Yes, it will. I went full on uh, porterhouse, 24 ounces. It's, uh, I, it, it was really good. But even I couldn't finish it. Not not this evening. Tom's not yeah. hungry anymore. <laughs> no, no longer, no longer hungry. The salad and the mashed potatoes and everything just kind of took away from it. But it was so good, outstanding stuff as always. The salad is always amazing. I got a filet mignon uh, along with all of the various things that we have here. Lots of potatoes. You got the potato skin appetizer and the onion rings. We will probably come back to Cattleman's at some point, whether that will be a segment featured on this very unique and figuring out as we go along podcast, TBD. But I know that we're all excited, not just because we ate Cattleman's time, but because we are here at the Women's College World Series and Alabama is playing in it. Woo! It was, it was cert- definitely there were a lot of people who didn't think that was going to be the case even just a couple of weeks ago, but... Uh, we are here, and we're uh, ready to roll for the 14th time. We will play on Thursday, maybe about the time this is being released to the public. And we are about to pay for our meal, and we will – yes, we are all separate. Thank you. Uh, and we will continue along on this journey here in OKC, won't we, Tom? Yes. Uh, I don't know if the rest of this evening will be suitable for podcasting, but we'll we'll see what we got got going on. You never know. All right. We'll see what's up next. So we moved on from dinner, and now we are sitting at the hotel bar. I'm not going to say what hotel it is because this is being released before a pitch has even been thrown at the Women's College World Series, but now seems like a great opportunity for – us to look back at supers tom which which was exactly i think what we thought it would be we both had alabama winning in three we said statistically it was ridiculously even and we saw three games that were decided by a total of four runs yeah that's the uh it, it was it's rare that a matchup like that actually lives up to exactly what the uh, prognostications are and what the previews of them are. And that's what it ended up being. It was two very evenly uh, matched up teams. Um, Danielle Williams against Montana Fouts and Jayla Torrance. And it was just a 
um, an amazing battle and a, an amazing atmosphere between two really top-notch teams. I think that we need to make sure that we talk as much about Jayla Torrance as possible. Uh, Jayla Torrance in regionals was the story. In supers, you could argue she was as well. And similar to the situation she was put in last year in regionals against Chattanooga, Jayla Torrance got the start in game two. And her job was keep us in the game, shut them down, allow us, Alabama, to figure it out. And she did that. And I think Jayla Torrance's emergence in the last two weeks has been maybe the story of the postseason for the entire tournament. I mean, you can make the argument. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not overstating it to say that Alabama is not in Oklahoma City without Jayla Torrance and what she did uh, just to get through regionals and then what she did in Super Regionals. You know, you're in a situation, Montana Fouts is pitching, but she's not at 100%. Um, so you had to have someone step up, and Jayla was that, that person who did it. We've talked about it before that we knew Jayla had the, the stuff and had that ability. She's shown it. She's shown it, like you said, against Chattanooga last year in regionals, but it was at another level, and definitely a, a, a legend was born with Jayla Torrance, and uh, I know we're talking about this year, but I think it definitely does bode well for even next year and her, her senior year at Alabama that uh, she, she has pitched at that level and has done that much. Absolutely, and then Montana Fouts doing what Montana Fouts does, winning game two, winning game three, game three, securing it with a strikeout, her 100th career win, now in the 100-1000 club in Alabama history with Shelly Laird and Kelsey Dunn. Yes, thank you, Tom. So three, all time, have reached that, and... I mean, it, it was it was evident in the in the celebration how much it truly meant to her, not just going back to the World Series, but the journey that it took to get to that point once again. Because it was very hard, but she found a way. Yeah, I two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the question wasn't not just if Alabama was going to be able to make it to the Women's College World Series, was that if Montana Pouse was going to be able to throw another pitch for Alabama. Period. And she was able to do that, and you could definitely see that emotion come out of her uh, when when you got that final win. And it was amazing that you in game two and three, Jayla Torrance pitched the first inning, uh, three in the th- three in the third innings. Montana Phelps pitched the final parts of that game both times, and to get the win in both those both those games, to get the big strikeouts when you had to have them, um, and to do it without throwing it 72 miles per hour like she normally does was just so impressive. Offensively, again, a very tight series. Daniel Williams pitched phenomenally, as did Lauren Boyd, but Alabama was able to get the timely hits. Ashley Prangy in game two. Game three, it was Allie Shipman, her two RBI single in the longest gray inning of chaos in Crimson Tide Sports Network history. And then also Jenna Johnson doing what she does with a bomb out to left, just without any warning, w- without any warning, just yeah. exploding, etc. It was, I, I think, kind of perfect, a perfect encapsulation of what this team has been offensively. They're not going to put up 10. They're not going to overpower you, but they're going to find a way. And I think that that is something that can work in the postseason if you need it. Yeah, because even the teams that do mash it all the time, there's going to be games where you're not going to be able to do that. 
Uh, and I think an offense like Alabama's has is better equipped <laughs> to face the elite pitching that they're going to face in the Women's College World Series. Um, and just, as you say, just find a way. And it was great to see that it was the upperclassmen that came through at, at a high level in both Game 2 and Game 3, Prangy with the two RBIs in Game 2. Game 3, Ali Shipman and Jenna Johnson, who had literally done nothing but bunt for the entire game. The first time she finally gets a swing away, puts one off the left field foul pole and gives Alabama the third run that they had to have to win the game. Amazing stuff. We will preview the World Series of it all. We'll look at not just Alabama's matchup yet again with Tennessee, but also everything happening at OKC. But, Tom, just to kind of probably put a button on it, who knows where this special podcast will take us in the next 24 hours. Any final thoughts about Supers and what this team was able to accomplish getting back to OKC? Uh, I thought for a Super Regional round that nationally didn't have that much drama and chaos, we had it all in Tuscaloosa, and uh, it it really was just an unbelievable atmosphere for anyone that loves college softball, and especially if you love Alabama. You had a great time at Super Regionals. Even on the Friday when Alabama didn't win, it was a great atmosphere. But Saturday and Sunday, um, you know, said so this is my ninth year doing it, and I, it's hard for me to to rank anything higher than what I saw this past weekend doesn't get better than the atmosphere that we saw than the emotions that we saw and the feelings that we felt on that broadcast and i'm sure there will be more discussed as we continue along in this journey around okc edition of the out of the box podcast i'm sure we'll be be back with something soon i am your tour guide through oklahoma city yes on the out of the box podcast who knows where we'll go next stay tuned you'll find out probably in five seconds Welcome back to the hotel. Gray Robertson along with Alabama Softball Director of Operations, Jaden Spencer. If you're a loyal listener on the Crimson Tide Sports Network and all the various platforms on which Tom and I are broadcast throughout the season, then you have heard for the last month my interjection when Tom reads the staff and says, Jaden Spencer, and I say, ribs, and see you, Kent. And I think it's time for the story to be told. So, Jaden, we're giving you the mic for just a moment. Where did the nickname Ribs come from? So I'll keep it short for everybody. I have a tendency to forget to eat, especially on road trips. So about mid-game, fourth inning, I am hungry enough to, as I say, eat an entire rack of ribs. (laughs) And... uh, Let's see, were we in, we were in Missouri this year, and it did. It hit me mid-game. Mid-game, I said I could eat an entire rack of ribs right now. Well, the restaurant we went to after the game had ribs on the menu. I ordered them. The rest is history. Now they call me ribs, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jaden, thank you for your extremely valuable contribution to this edition of the Out of the Box podcast. Tom, there is nothing quite like Jaden Ribs Spencer. And now, and now we've created this alternate alter ego of Jaden Spencer that is just ribs that is walking around. Maybe you'll meet her someday. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe you'll meet her someday. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to meet ribs, I'm sorry. If you're lucky enough to meet ribs, then you have succeeded. Anyway, back to the regular show. 
As we continue our night of fun and friendship and fellowship here at the Women's College World Series, I, Gray Robertson, am pleased to be sitting in the corner nook with Alabama pitching coach Lance McMahon. Lance, welcome to Bama U and welcome back to the Women's College World Series for your first time as a pitching coach. Are you pumped? I'm pumped. Let's go. Let's go get a natty. Okay. So we're here because Jayla Torrance and Montana Fouts were phenomenal. Uh, paired together, especially in games two and three. How proud of them were you, especially of Jayla, watching how much she's grown, not just from the start of the year, but shoot from the SEC tournament to right now? Yeah, uh, Jayla's story was so cool. I think um, she turned a corner after Ole Miss, giving up those two home runs in the seventh inning. And um, really, it was all about just her gaining confidence in herself. And once she did that, we always kind of knew the sky was the limit, and the opportunity arose with Montana going out. And uh, it's just really cool to see a kid latch onto that and take it and run with it. You're about to face Tennessee in the Women's College World Series again. This will be our fifth meeting. Don't divulge the plan, but does it change the prep a little bit knowing that you have seen a team not just multiple times, but multiple times at, at different points in a year? Um, yes and no. Um, they're obviously a really good offensive team. I think the biggest key for us is we just have to keep the ball in the park. Um, each time we've played them, the one game that we did win, we didn't give up any home runs. So I think that's the big key is just keeping the ball in the park, making quality pitches, and um, you know, battling every single every single pitch because there's no there's no weak hitter in their lineup. When you got hired. Tom and I said that we would bring you on the podcast, and we did not. <laughs> Our bad. Uh, so we'll do it this summer. Okay. Pick a movie right now to do an out-of-the-box office with oh, me and Tom yeah. um, on the show. Right now? That's the beauty of in-the-moment podcasting. You can't think about it. A League of Their Own. Okay, boom. Tom isn't wanting to do that from the start. There we go. Great. Okay, Lance, thank you. Appreciate it. My pleasure. David Nieder, welcome to the Out of the Box Podcast. What do you hope the most that we do in OKC? Laser tag. Thank you, David. You're welcome. The Out of the Box Podcast continues as we sit here on this Wednesday morning, the day before the Women's College World Series begins at practice day. Tennessee is straight ahead. Oklahoma doing some media over to our right. Alabama's about to practice. Tom, we have not previewed this event whatsoever. We have mentioned that Alabama's playing Tennessee. (laughs) So let's talk about the morning session. The first game is Alabama-Tennessee. Not a surprise uh, that the two SEC teams are paired up because, of course, that's how it goes. And there will be no surprises in this matchup because, as Lance talked about earlier on the pod, we've all seen each other multiple times this year. Yeah, no, uh, no surprises going on. It's uh, two very familiar teams to each other and uh, just played a couple weeks ago in the SEC tournament and had that three-game series out in Knoxville uh, early on in the conference slate. And um, I think for Alabama, it's actually, uh, I'm not going to say it's necessarily a great matchup, but it is a matchup that, that can work in Alabama's favor because the Tide has had kind of the most success about anybody in the SEC against Tennessee, you know, a Tennessee team that won both the regular season and conference tournament. So um, it's it's one where uh, no one's going to sneak up on anybody. Everyone kind of knows each other, and it's just who's going to play the best. Yeah, exactly. And, and the biggest question, I think, for Tennessee is who starts? You know, who do they go with? Who? In the, who who's yes, pitching? Get one in, Tom. Who's pitching? Yes, very good. Sorry to Rachel Lawson. But <laughs> – 
I mean, there there are multiple ways you can look at it, I think, if you're the Lady Vols. Peyton Gottschall has probably been the best pitcher for them in the postseason. Their horse is Ashley Rogers. But also, you win, odds are, and we'll talk about it in a minute, you're going to play Oklahoma. So when do you use Rogers? When do you use Gottschall? Do you do a little mixing and matching like Alabama might with Torrance and Fouts? I don't know. There are a lot of ways it could go. uh, Tennessee probably had the most success against Alabama. Outside, there was the first game where Ashley Rogers has pitched really well and and dominated. Outside of that, there have been three really close games, and they've had a lot of success in those games where they've mixed and matched. Um, They actually started Gottschall in game three, and Alabama chased her really quickly, and Ashley Rogers came in and got the win. Um, But Gottschall is pitching as well as she has all year at the right time. So I would not be shocked to see them. If it was me, I would pitch Gottschall to start off with, with Ashley Rogers waiting in the wings to come in to close if necessary. Um, because, I mean, you do have – they're the higher-seeded team. They're, they are favored right. to win the game. Uh, I think you kind of have to um, play it to where are we got to set up for our next matchup. Alabama, on the other hand, you know, I think you got to go full-on every game uh, because – that's you know you're, you are one of the underdogs so you go out there and you you throw your best at the entire time and, and see what happens i can literally see ashley rogers walking away right now so we can go ask her right are you uh, pitching tomorrow, are you pitching tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. I, well but you mentioned you know alabama going full on i think the question is what does that mean for this game you look at montana fouts she's probably i know nothing probably not 100 percent. if she wasn't 100 percent last weekend would be nice but i don't think she's going to be there quite yet that being said, the stuff that she's throwing now is kind of stylistically a better matchup against Tennessee. At the same time, can she go full? Jayla Torrance has been good. My gut kind of says start Torrance, fouts, and relief like we saw in the two wins of the Northwestern Super. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's what I would do as well, but uh, I can understand going with uh, with either way. Um, you know, that Montana getting the start would not shock me either, um, but I think those are kind of your two main ones, and then um, I think an Alex Salter appearance isn't out of the question. Um, she pitched, obviously, very well. The first time against Tennessee, Tennessee got to her in the SEC tournament. What adjustments have you made there? Uh, but there, I think there, um, there are a lot of different ways you can go, but definitely the best matchup uh, that Alabama has had recently has been the Torrance start, Montana coming in about halfway through. Lineup-wise for Alabama, I feel like it's – Stayed the same. You know, I like bringing him a leadoff. I like Jenna in the two spot. It obviously worked very well against Northwestern when it comes to timely hitting. Had to drop it when it comes to. For Tennessee, when you look at their lineup, the biggest thing that you circle is Kiki Malloy and Zeta Pooney in the one and two spot. You have to find a way to limit them and force the other seven to beat you, and there's a chance that they can. But if you can quiet Malloy and Pooney, then you've given yourself – more than a shot to win the game. Yeah, don't don't throw a number one five two. That's the that's the main thing. Lance is over there. We can so, tell him no one five no, two no pitches. One, five twos. Uh, but other that's than the that, home run pitch, don't call that. Don't call that one. <laughs> that's the main one. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why this is the best form of podcasting we've ever done. One hundred percent. But yeah, it's, it's obviously easier said than done. But if you try to, you know, if you can quiet to the best bats in the SEC, if not the entire country, then you're doing pretty well. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the important thing is um, don't let the, the best players on the team, on the other team, beat you. Um, and, you know, if at all possible, that's, that's what you're going to try to do. Um, 
it's it is an interesting matchup all the way around the fact that there is uh, so much familiarity um, that hopefully Alabama has been able to pick out a few things uh, to help help make that happen and then what we saw in the SEC tournament was Alabama offensively had you know putting up six runs against a team like Tennessee more hits than Tennessee right. had yeah so offensively you can hang with them uh, just don't let them you know hit too many bombs looking at the other matchup Stanford Oklahoma I think the biggest question – there are a couple big questions here. One, who's Stanford going to start? Are they going to go with the experience of Botter? Are they going to go with the pure talent of Kennedy? And two, will it matter? Will Stanford be able to hit Oklahoma's pitching? Uh, I think the second question might be a little bit more important than the first, but the more I look at this matchup, the more I'm intrigued. I don't think Oklahoma is just going to roll out there and destroy the Cardinal. No, I think this is actually a really tough matchup for Oklahoma to start off the year, especially you're coming off of, you know, one of the first games in a while where the Sooners really looked like they were going to lose a the game. Uh, they, they had, the obviously, the great comeback against Clemson, but, um, you know, that they were dominated for most of that game before they, you know, did what Oklahoma does in the seventh. Uh, so I, I think if you're at Oklahoma, you might be coming in a little bit wounded, and if you're Stanford, uh, I think you go with the – national freshman of the year yeah and you just hope you can find that timely hit somewhere because that, that is the big question is you know the reason why Oklahoma is as good if not better this year than they are than they were last year is not because of their offense it's because of their pitching so if you can just find a way to get a couple runs across and then you know Oklahoma's had some of those like two one one nothing type games hope you can get into that type of game with the Sooners and you have a really good chance. And kind of cycling back a little bit to Alabama and Tennessee, we know that this place is going to be packed for the Oklahoma game, but it's a session. So a lot of those people are going to be in the house for Alabama and Tennessee. Is it weird that you're going to want to try and win over the Sooner fans, try and get the crowd behind you a little bit? That, that could be an aspect of that Alabama and Tennessee game because, again, we're in Oklahoma City. Norman is 28 miles away, and Oklahoma fans travel super well as it is. So we know that – a lot of uh, crimson and cream will be in the house. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is uh, it'll be interesting. Alabama is kind of in an unusual situation that they are the underdog. So maybe you can, you know, in those neutral site type games when you, know, you have fans of other teams, usually they go toward the underdog. So maybe they will. You know, we wear the same colors. Yeah, so that you know, we're all on the same you know, wheel. They they fit right in. So we'll we'll see if, if that type of thing happens. If it's a close game in the sixth, seventh inning, if those if those Oklahoma fans are are kind of rooting Montana or rooting on Alabama in, in any shape or form, I could definitely see that be the case. Um, just I I would not be surprised if those Alabama fans unfortunately aren't able to return the favor in game number two. Yeah, and in that second game, I mean. The Sooners, we know that that lineup is ridiculous, but top two in the order as we get ready to wrap up this segment. Jada Coleman and Tiari. Yeah, we, we mentioned Malloy and Pooney, but Coleman and Jennings is uh, as formidable, if not the most formidable, one-two punch in the country and maybe that we've seen in the last five years or so. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it is quite the one-two punch. And by the way, the rest of the seven aren't bad either. Yeah. So it, Also waiting Haley Lee, All-American, right behind. Right, and reigning Pac-12 freshman or Pac-12 player of the year. They have all these type yeah. of things coming in there. So uh, they're they're good top to bottom, obviously. Uh, but if, if you're Najri Kennedy or whoever Sanford throws, I hope it's going to be Najri. Um, they'll, you know, you just have to – dominate every every at bat you can't you can't just say well if we get past we can kind of work around this person because the next person no you got to try to get everybody out 
We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at the bottom half of the bracket. We might be doing it while shagging fly balls, Tom. Who's to say? Who's to say? We, this is Vanguard uh, podcasting at its best. We are just rocking and rolling here in OKC. We'll be right back here on the Out of the Box podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back from break. We're about to step onto the big field for practice, and my D1 softball podcast partner, Tara Henry, is standing to my left as AC Atinka walks by. It's okay. It's all part of the podcast. There's Ryan and I and Murray. It's awesome. How's it going? Oh, small ball hug. Hello, everyone. Hello, Ryan. Tara, how are you? Oh, fantastic. Great. I mean, gosh, this place, isn't it just the greatest place in the world? It is. I'm walking around and seeing places where I tried cow fries last year and the memories are flooding back Uh, are you excited about the games tomorrow tara can't wait four great games on the docket for thursday and we're gonna have a fun little show you and i gray yeah by the time that people are probably listening to this pod we will have already been up you will have prepared and we will have gone to home plate and done a whole dang show I just can't wait for the games to start. I'm excited for all the matchups on Thursday. Four games in one day. Can't think of anything better than being able to watch four incredible games uh, of softball in Oklahoma City. One bold prediction for Thursday. Putting you on the spot. That's the beauty beauty of on-the-spot podcasting. You know, I think... I'm actually, I don't know if this is bold. I'm going to go with Washington. I think a lot of people are taking Utah, but I think Washington's got a shot to come in and really uh, stick it to the youths tomorrow. Uh, We'll see if that that holds true. All right. I like it. Kelly, say hi. Hello. It's Kelly Higby. Crash. Hello. (laughs) This is the wonders of OKC. Everybody's here. Thanks for hopping on, Tara. Thanks for having me, Gray. We are turning down for what here at the Alabama practice on the big field. Right now, the team is hitting. We will provide updates if we have to dive for something out here in the bleachers. It's weird, Tom. I was here so much last year wandering these carpeted planks, filming 
shots that are basically exactly what we're seeing right now, it, there really is nothing quite like being at the Women's College World Series. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, that's what uh, Tommy Dees always says. There's never a bad day at the Women's College World Series, and Ooh. that includes practice days. Is Ooh, oh. Callie Hevlin almost hits Stu in the face. <laughs> Everything's fine, though. Callie, no! <laughs> uh, but this is just, you know, we the chance to walk out on the big field here and uh, just the cathedral of softball that is uh, Hall of Fame Stadium and uh, just OGE energy field. It's just, it's an awesome thing. And it's great for, um, everyone on this team to have an opportunity to experience this. So we've already previewed the top half of the bracket and we'll now look at the bottom half that begins with Florida state, Oklahoma state, a matchup that on paper seems extremely exciting. We saw the Florida state team come by our hotel earlier today because it was the closest Starbucks and they were going on one of their coffee walks. The Seminoles, a team that are back in the Women's College World Series, because of course they are. It's every other year. Oklahoma State, ooh, Kenley, right to us. But Larissa is there. Catch made. Um, Oklahoma State didn't look like they were a World Series team two weeks ago, and yet here they are. Yeah, uh, as poorly as they were playing down the stretch, uh, didn't know if their talent would uh, translate to the World Series team that their talent says that they are. Um, but they uh, got it turned back around and are playing really well here oh. as that one is cranked out of here. Um, but a, uh, a really kind of surprising run, even though they were favored and they were the hosts for both regionals and super regionals. Um, but they, they made it here, and they will certainly have that same kind of home field advantage that Oklahoma has when they play uh, here in OKC. And – Watch out, Jaden. There, there is the question as well with Oklahoma State about who they're going to start. So Lexi Kilfoyle got the start in game one of the Super against Oregon. Game two, Kelly Maxwell had a perfect game going into the seventh. Uh, these two teams have already played this year as well. I don't have the numbers in front of me to see who threw the most, but I remember Kelly Maxwell struggled a bit and walked some people in that series earlier this season. So my gut says I think we're going to see a Sandercock versus Kilfoyle battle of a drop ball situation, but – you got a lot of options if you're both teams, really. Florida State has seven people that they could potentially start and bring in Sander Cock and relief. Yeah, but uh, I think if you're you're Florida State, I think you definitely go with Sander Cock to start off with, um, and hopefully she can go the whole way. If, <coughs> excuse me. If you're Oklahoma State, uh, there are a lot of options, and it just depends on because one of the reasons why Oklahoma State struggled down the stretch is because Kelly Maxwell struggled down the stretch. Right. Um, if, if you feel as though she is – uh, back to her, her normal self, um, I think you go with Maxwell. But um, if you still think there's some issues there, um, Kilfoyle certainly uh, played well enough and, and shown herself to be uh, the caliber of player that could start game one. I'm really intrigued to see how it goes. There are a lot of possibilities, and it might be the game of the day, potentially. I think coming in, that is the one that people see most torn on picks-wise. Yeah, it's it's a 50-50 type matchup for sure. Um, I think if you'd asked me maybe a month and a half, two months ago, I would say probably Oklahoma State would be the favored team. But um, Florida State, 
Uh, we didn't talk about them a whole lot, but during their regional and super regionals, they uh, had no problems, including yeah. what we thought was going to be a really even super regional against Georgia, and Florida State just dominated them. So Florida State might be playing as well as anybody entering this uh, this tournament. Um, so it may be up to more so how well Florida State is playing, regardless of what Oklahoma State does. Yes, and Oklahoma State, you're welcome. That's all we have to say because we both picked against you, and obviously that is why you're here. Sure. Well, you know, we, again, using our powers uh, for good? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Sorry, ducks? <laughs> right. Ooh, that was cranked. Who is that, Kimley? Oh, hey, Lance. We're podcasting again. Yeah, Lance keeps walking by while we're podcasting. I think he really wants to do a league of their own. Sure. So. Well, you've been in since we started out of the box office. All right, the second game of the night session, because, of course, it's the Pac-12 game, Washington, Utah, maybe the game, I'm going to be honest, on on day one that is getting the least publicity because it's an interconference matchup and because these are just two teams that not a lot of people are talking about, but maybe they should be. I mean, Utah pretty much handled San Diego State in games two and three, and Washington two shutouts of a good Louisiana offense in supers. So the season series was even at two in the uh, regular season series and in the Pac-12 tournament. I don't really know how this one's going to go. It just seems like a watch-and-find-out kind of game. Yeah, Pac-12 after dark here in OKC, and it'll be uh, a team with uh, Washington who – Uh, again, is only still in this tournament because they had a miraculous seventh inning against McNeese in regional play in Seattle and then was able to parlay that into two pretty dominant performances shutting out Louisiana, like you mentioned. Um, You know, that that was a shocker. And again, you're welcome, Washington, uh, for picking Louisiana. Uh, But they are are playing extremely well now after, you know, riding that high after that uh, miracle comeback. Utah... Uh, lost game one to San Diego State, but then, like you said, pretty much dominated games two and three. Uh, really rode the momentum and the huge crowds they got in uh, Salt Lake City. Um, in the only other super regional other than Alabama's that went three three games, um, and it's just it, it is. I agree. It's kind of a, a game where it could go either way. Um, two really evenly matched teams. Lance is coming back. So Lance is videoing us while we... Oh, that's mine. Sorry, we're doing a podcast. That almost hit us. We can go up and walk up and get the ball, Tom. Yeah, walk and pod. This is the beauty of what we're doing. So if you had to make a bold prediction for the night session, I'm, I'm talking including Oklahoma State and Florida State, including Utah, Washington, what would it be? Tara already said she's picking Washington when I chatted with her for about a minute earlier. What say you? Uh... I think, I think my bold prediction might be that Oklahoma State's going to win um, over Florida State, which it, it, that would be an upset. Uh, I just think that they have kind of found whatever it was that they lost uh, during the last month of the season. They're going to have the home crowd. That's going to really be giving them a lot. And Florida State, just because they lose the first game doesn't mean that they're, they're gone. They actually might relish that opportunity. Right. It actually kind of fits in with everything that they normally do. So uh, I, I would say my bold prediction is a cowgirl victory. I think I'm going to predict that there's a run rule in the night session. I don't know who it's going to be. My gut kind of leans somewhere in the Washington-Utah realm. Those are two teams that I don't trust very much who appear 
pretty volatile, especially in the circle. I mean, Washington pitching really well in the NCAA tournament. Mariah Lopez has been great for Utah, but when they're not on, it can be somewhat dicey. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel like we're going to see a run rule at some point tomorrow, and the night session seems way more probable to me than the morning session. I think there's a good chance that there's one run rule at some point, and I think there's also a good chance of at least one, if not multiple, extra inning games on day one. I'm sure people will be thrilled about that. Very excited for that, and uh, hopefully neither one of those is game one. All right, so Prangy's hitting. We should probably get into position just in case. Any final thoughts on the bottom half of the bracket before we sign off on this segment and probably pick things up at dinner? Uh, Well, I think when you're looking at it, I think the more glamorous side of the bracket is obviously the top half with Alabama, Oklahoma, Tennessee, uh, and Stanford there. But don't sleep on that second half of the bracket. You could definitely see a possible national champion coming out of there if it's not Oklahoma. There we go. We will reposition ourselves here in the bleachers and talk more, I'm sure, a little bit later on in this episode of the Out of the Box podcast. We're continuing our pop-up podcast here on uh, the World Series edition of the Out of the Box podcast. And the best part about it is we're seeing all these people in person. Jen Schroeder is here at our hotel. Jen, what are you doing here? In the flesh. We just surprised Allie Shipman with the best surprise of all time. And no, it's not her custom catcher's gear. It was that her sister is here in Oklahoma City. And we were all crying. (laughs) I got to say, because we knew about the gear, I did not expect the door to open and Madison Shipman to walk in. That was, my face, I I was not the, where the camera was pointed, but I I reacted quite stunned. It was a, such an amazing moment. So set the scene for you as we're presenting this gear to Allie, reading letters from all of her siblings. And then when it gets to her third sibling, Maddie, I just open a door and Maddie comes out from behind us. And there she is in Oklahoma City. At the 11th hour, coming from Bristol to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series, just in time to surprise her sister. There's nothing better. Couldn't have written a better script. Are you excited about the World Series starting tomorrow? I can't believe it's already here. I am. I feel it's very different for me because UCLA is not here. So I feel like it's a lot of work, a lot of business, a lot of meeting up with friends. But I haven't quite decided who to cheer for. I'm just going to cheer for all the catchers in the tournament. That's what I'm doing is go catchers. Well, Emily will be here, you know. So I think if you and Emily join forces, you could create... That would be epic. I mean, can you imagine? No, just... The stadium's not ready for that. No. <laughs> we could rival OU, maybe. I think so. Emily p Jen Schroeder against the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> it could happen. We're, we're in. <laughs> we, we will allow you out, out of the Bruin bubble for just, for just a, a week or two That's it. as part of the Crimson Tide Nation. Come yeah. on. Someone's got to get me a shirt. Oh, that can be done. <laughs> any, any bold predictions for tomorrow? Stanford over OU. Oh. oh, Jen just upsetting the OU people all the time. I don't know. I just hope that, that Nigeri Kennedy, like, throws like she's not a freshman. Like, throws like she has all year. I just year. hope she pitches, period. Ex- well, that's a good point, yeah, too. Yeah. But I hope that she doesn't make the game too big, you know? Because mm. I think we're going to see a really good softball game. Okay. I love it. Jen, good to see you. Good to see you guys. Yay. Bye. Hugs on the pod. We're hugging right now. You can't see it, but we're feeling it. Thanks, Jen. Bye. Ah, the wonderful eating in Oklahoma City continues here on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson, Tom is across the table. Tom, let's see if the audio can pick you up. Hello. Okay, he's over there, and we are joined by four Bama U groupies 
We've got Joy Grace Webb. We've got SID Extraordinaire Nathan Sheehan. We've got just absolute queen and star maker Sherry Selby. And we've got Kent Gidley, photographer to the stars. Did we enjoy our meals, everybody? Nate, I'll, I'll toss to you. Quite good. You know, the thing I like about Oklahoma City is the little traditions, and Red Rock is certainly one of those. Went with the enchiladas and tortilla soup, which Tom got as well. It's always a good go-to. Murph recommended it, so can't really go wrong with that. I didn't finish it, but that's no uh, comment on the quality. It was really good, just a lot. Let it be known that Tom also did not finish his meal. So that should tell you something. (laughs) And by the way, I don't even think I mentioned it. We're at Red Rock Canyon Grill in Oklahoma City. Uh, Joy Grace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand the device to you to talk about what calamari means to you. Hello, pod listeners. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. Um, here's the thing. Did you know calamari was squid? Yeah, me either. Um, but I did eat some of it beforehand, before knowing that, and I liked it before kind of well. It was a little chewy. But, um, you know, different food has different texture, so it adds up. And also, once I found out it was squid, it became harder for me to eat. So I would say, if you're not a squid lover, maybe calamari is not for you. Um, Back to you, Gray. Thank you, Joy Grace, for that calamari report. (laughs) Brought to you by (laughs) Visit Britain. I don't know who's to say. So Sherry and I both got the shrimp scampi. Sherry, I'm not going to make you speak on the pod. I just need one word to describe your meal. Delicious. Very creative. Well done. I agree. The shrimp scampi was that good. Kent, you also were on the enchilada train, were you not? I was, and Murph is absolutely correct in most things, and this is one of them. So, all in all, a very successful meal. Tom, any, any Tom's Hungry thoughts for you as I hand you the recording device from a Round Rock Canyon Grill? Yeah, the, uh, the recommendation of enchiladas was really good. Um, we also had a appetizer, the Duo Dip, that had a pimento cheese jalapeno dip along with uh, guacamole. I'm not a guacamole guy, but everybody else seemed to like it, so... Uh, all in all, uh, a very another very successful trip as we get ready for tomorrow morning to kick some butt. Thank you, Tom. Or as you're listening today, because this will be launching at midnight. Nate, before we uh, end this segment, is there anything from this year, Nate's Thirsty related, that you want to highlight on the pod? Unfortunately, no. I know. I feel like I'm slacking on my lone podcast segment duty but you haven't done in two years uh, yeah i know i know it's, people are anxiously awaiting i feel like i'm letting them down but we'll work on it this weekend how about that okay that's perfect i plan on being here for a while i think the whole table agrees yes yes yeah, yeah. so there we go red rock canyon grill we'll see what else is on tap before this episode ends who knows it could be literally anything we'll find out i got prepared for something so we just ate dinner. Andrew Herncar wants to come on the pod. Herncar, what did you eat at Red Rock Canyon Grill? I had the shrimp scampi. Shrimp scampi. Uh, great dish, great dish. Okay, your thoughts on the sauce. I heard some feedback that was a little bit too lemony. I was a big fan. Uh, 
you know, extraordinarily powerful woman, Sherry Selby, loved it. What, how do you feel about it? I liked it, too. I think the shrimp was a little too thick for me. Uh, and the noodles were also <laughs> also, also too thick. Uh, but wow. uh, we also had shrimp for uh, appetizer, so double-up shrimp. Who made that decision? I did. Uh, there was too many chicken dishes. We also had, I had a big chicken sandwich for lunch, so I didn't want to double-up chicken. But I doubled up shrimp anyways. But the shrimp was uh, a small portion for appetizer, so I thought it was okay. Do you have anything else to add? Um, I think the Bears will probably win 9 to 10. Okay, years. thank you for your time. Andrew Herncar, manager. So there you have it. A lot of things didn't make the pod because we were having too much fun. Tom, we just spent hours playing Uno and Spoons like it's – 20 years ago of our collective lives, and that is Bama U. If you've had questions over the years what it means, it's that, and that is what we have done here in OKC to start, but now it's time to go to work. It is, and just stop playing the green card. That's a, I mean, the greens were just not, not happening. Sherry ha- did not have a green card in Uno for 45 minutes. <laughs> it was it was quite fun but yeah you're right now now we uh we sleep for a bit and now we go back for uh for hopefully a, a really good run in oklahoma city it's it's business time now i don't know what has happened by the time that you are listening to this dear listener but just know that no matter what the result of that first game is a it's double elimination so you can't be one and done but b team 27 is going to keep fighting and this story is nowhere close to being done yeah, uh, Alabama is the underdog, but sometimes the the underdog wins. So let's let's make it happen. For my partner Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson, reporting live-ish from Oklahoma City. Thank you for listening to the Out of the Box podcast. Join us all weekend long and all next week on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Tom, the people can listen where on uh, ninety-seven point five FM in Tuscaloosa, and also various other affiliates throughout the state. I know Huntsville ninety-seven point Seven, the zone is carrying, and there's some other ones as well. But you can listen to that over the air on the radio that way, online at nick975.com, and on apps at MeTV975, as well as the Varsity app. And I, I think Sirius will probably pick us up on the SEC channels as well. Yeah, so always check that out. We just they don't tell us. We so. they don't tell us, and there are like six of them. <laughs> so right. just scroll. Right, it'll be fine. Follow us on the Twitters too at Gray underscore Robertson. T Canterbury RTR at out of the box underscore pod. This is the best week in softball. Let's do it. Family, you all over them. That'll be all. See you next time. <laughs>